Shalom and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications at Israel Policy Forum, recording from New York. And I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director, recording from Tel Aviv. Evan, how's it going? It's going well. I, I had a horrible commute this morning. I was in the Lincoln Tunnel for half an hour, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Well, I had an equally horrible commute. Uh, were you in the, were the, you in the Lincoln the Tunnel? Eurovision traffic, Eurovision Village traffic. In, I would in take that over the New York, New Jersey traffic, especially because I think some of it, I don't know if coming in from New Jersey was caused by this, but some of the New York traffic is a result of Trump being in town. When, when, one of our coworkers told me they saw uh, the whole security detail set up on the, on the east side, on the FDR this morning. So I think Eurovision is a better reason for traffic than Donald Trump. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, from Eurovision, let's talk about what's going on uh, the Israeli government. Uh, Netanyahu is in the process of trying to, to form a, a coalition. He's in negotiations with, uh, the, with other right-wing parties and with the ultra He's seeking parties. a transition back into office that's going to be more seamless than the transition you just used to get from Eurovision to uh, Netanyahu. He's looking for an uh, legislated immunity, uh, ideally for, from Netanyahu's perspective, like personal legislation that, that is legislation that is specifically tailored towards providing immunity for the prime minister, meaning Netanyahu, uh, so that he can avoid his legal troubles related to the three corruption cases that he has these indictments pending in. And he also is seeking a Supreme Court override clause. In, in, in other words, a uh, piece of legislation that would allow the Knesset to override rulings from the Israeli Supreme Court that they don't like, um, which is uh, lovely and undemocratic. And all of these things, by the way, are Netanyahu is seeking to include in the coalition agreement. That's essentially the document that all of the parties that want to be part of the next Israeli government have to sign on to. That's where the parties are able to sort of broadly lay out their goals for the way the next government is going to function. This is also uh, sort of the bone of contention between Avigdor Lieberman as Yisra the Yisrael Beitenu party and the ultra-Orthodox parties, you know, whether they're laying out a religious agenda or a secular agenda and so on and so forth. But clearly Netanyahu wants uh, central on the agenda for this uh, government to be protecting himself and keeping himself in office and out of jail. Yeah, and it hasn't been as easy for Netanyahu as maybe pe some people thought. Um, we had... Uh, the, the latest round of violence in Gaza. And afterwards, Netanyahu asked uh, President uh, Reuven Rivlin for an extension, 14-day extension, uh, to, to form his coalition. And uh, all this talk of uh, him trying to get personal immunity has actually brought criticism from uh, his own party, which is something uh, that is rare for the most part. And uh, it's coming from one of Netanyahu's uh, closest. Uh, right, we rivals. saw Gidon Saar, who, um, as you as you mentioned, Eli is a major rival for Netanyahu from within the Likud party. Um, if you recall, and we discussed this on the podcast previously, but during the Likud primaries leading up to the national election in April, Netanyahu. Uh, went out and instructed directly to Likud voters, don't vote for Gidon Saar in the primary. And uh, lo and behold, he, he made it sort of to the top bracket of the party list. I think he actually went to the point of, he, he went to the point of accusing him of trying to make some sort of coup behind Netanyahu's back. And he even wanted to pass a law to make that uh, 
not possible. Right, he, he, he was very clear about where... Netanyahu was very clear about where he stands on Gidon Saar. Um, but despite his uh, admonitions and, the, and, and what he said to Likud voters, like I said, Gidon Saar made it to the top of the party. And now he's out there saying he opposes personal immunity for Netanyahu. Now, uh, we should be clear, he... he um, in his statements, he was very careful and said that Netanyahu can still obtain immunity through the existing uh, Knesset uh, immunity law from 2005. Um, there is a clause in that law that uh, Saar referred to directly that says um, immunity, basically immunity shouldn't be lifted if as a result of lifting the immunity, it's expected that actual damage will be caused to the functioning of the Knesset or to the representation of the electorate. And essentially, Saar's argument is that Netanyahu could argue that because he was just reelected, um, that would be damage to the electorate and a reason for his immunity as a member of Knesset to not be lifted. But really, I think what Saar is doing here are allowing himself to maintain his sort of loyal Likud credentials while also planting the seeds of uh, bringing himself up to the top in a post-Netanyahu scenario. Yeah, and so after uh, Gidon Sar came out, there was actually another newly coup MK, Michal uh, Shear, who also uh, came out in, in, kind of in support of what Sar was was uh, saying. Uh, I think she she worked previously with Gidon Sar. Um, so obviously, this is kind of positioning for the day after Netanyahu. And you'll remember during during the election uh, campaign. Netanyahu specifically asked uh, multiple times uh, during his... He, he kind of did a rushed round of interviews uh, when he was claiming that Lapid and Gantz were about to beat him. Um, he was asked by a bunch of journalists, and he answered by saying, oh, I've never even thought about doing a, a law to protect uh, me from legal issues because there's, there's nothing to protect me from. He adopted that line... What was he say? He's a enshum devar ki hayashum devar, right? Yeah, I think it was like lo yeklum ki enklum or like enklum lo, like just saying that this is all baseless and that all the cases will fall, like will fall. Obviously, it's uh, trying to blame it all on the media. And, yeah, the bottom uh, line, he, he was he was taking this Trump line. There is nothing because because there was nothing. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, exactly. So, um, what's interesting though is that from Netanyahu's office, Netanyahu's after this kind of uh, this has all been in the past few days and it's caused like kind of a big mess, um, especially during uh, coalition negotiations. Uh, it's important for like the Likud party to, to show that it's it's united um, because we're talking about a a government that would be very uh, uh, even if if all the the partners that Netanyahu is likely to to bring together, uh, which is tough in its own right, uh, it will be a very it will be a slim uh, majority that will be dependent on one party. So if you already have a few people and and, and prominent people in the Likud uh, saying that they may that they don't like they don't like the idea of this personal immunity law, um, it it complicates coalition negotiations. So that's why you have. Netanyahu's office saying that they are not uh, advancing a law for Netanyahu's personal immunity in coalition negotiations. Um, that's coming also from uh, the minister, Yariv Levine, who's uh, in charge of uh, negotiations on behalf of uh, Likud. And um, I mean, you can take it at 
I mean, I don't know how truthful this is, but it's coming out of uh, the Netanyahu. Uh, it's coming from Netanyahu people, so it's it's obviously they're taking this this uh, criticism from Sarah and from. Uh, I think you're right, Eli, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the context of coalition negotiations, because as you mentioned, um, you know, this whole process is is complicated by the fact that uh, Netanyahu is in the process of negotiating his next government. And um, one of the, the the things that has come up is that the, the smaller right-wing parties, particularly Moshe Kaklon's Kulanu and Yisrael Beitenu of Avigdor Lieberman, um, you know, they may have always intended to fall in line on immunity, and they probably will, but they weren't especially enthusiastic. His, uh, Netanyahu's strongest support on this issue from outside of his own party uh, was from the united right-wing list, uh, because they're probably uh, the one party in the Knesset that can only be in a right-wing government. You know, they, they, they really wouldn't fit in in a national unity government with the center and, and left, and they certainly wouldn't fit in with the, with the left-wing or center, centrist government. So, you know, they have, they have a vested interest, too, in, in keeping the ship of state afloat and, uh, and, and having a stable right-wing government. Exactly, yeah. No, and Netanyahu's kind of, I mean, the... the Obviously, this is his most like extreme, the most extreme party in in uh, in Israel's Knesset that united together uh, after Netanyahu's encouragement with uh, the Jewish Power Otsmai Yehudit party, um, and under a specific situation where this Norwegian law is passed, uh, you could even have uh, representatives from that party uh, in in the Knesset. Um, but on the other hand, he has um, Kahlon, who represents a more moderate right-wing voice. And Kahlon, I would say that his thinking is probably in line. There have been talks of him joining back with the Likud. But I would say that his thinking is probably in line with Gidon Sar. Um, Gidon Sar and Kahlon have, uh, I mean, in 2015, there was even talk about Gidon Sar joining together with Kahlon when Kahlon formed his Kulanu party. And uh, they're both kind of uh, very well liked among uh, uh, Likud uh, like party members, and they are both potential. Uh, I would say Sar would is definitely ahead of Kahlon, but they're both in that talk of the the next leader of the party. So it, it's concerning for Netanyahu to have. Uh, People like of this nature who are super important if he wants to to, to form a government questioning um, what he's doing in negotiations and and so this is something that we definitely need to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll see if uh, Netanyahu uh, is able to form a government uh, in the extension that he asked and and uh, was granted from Rivlin. Um, otherwise, he'll I think his option is to ask for another extension. Um, and if it's not possible, uh, there's uh, obviously, it would be given to. Uh, there is a very unlikely scenario of Gantz having an opportunity to form a government, but I mean, I don't think we think that, that will happen. But um, it's going to be very interesting because th- these are kind of. I don't think Netanyahu expected uh, these developments at this important. Yeah, I, I think the one, the one thing I'll say, Eli, is that I'm not inclined necessarily at this stage to take things coming out of Kaklon and Sar that seriously. Um, I think that Sar was very careful 
in the way he presented his objection to personal immunity. I think from his perspective, and certainly from the perspective of Kahlon and Lieberman um, and, and your smaller parties, uh, you know, they w- I think they want to see a way that they can navigate their way through one more Netanyahu term, from their perspective, hopefully a shorter term, uh, without instigating a full-on fight uh, within the right-wing camp. I mean, there, there's a- it's already a public dispute uh, between Saar and Shear and Netanyahu, um, and, and Gideon Saar may see a, uh, a way out that he could replace Netanyahu as head of the party without going back to elections and, um, and, and serve as prime minister, uh, but the situation for the smaller parties is much less stable, and I think they're much more dependent on Netanyahu. Um, and Kahlon and Lieberman both didn't have great showings, in uh, the election and the way the numbers fell, it happened that Lieberman is, is sort of the, the kingmaker, but nevertheless, um, he and Kahlon may not be uh, rushing back to elections, despite the rhetoric, um, certainly the, the stronger rhetoric that was coming out of Lieberman earlier in the uh, in the the coalition negotiation period. And frankly, we've seen this movie before. Um, you know, obviously the situation in Gaza and the, the massive uh, barrage of rockets that were fired at Israel and the Israeli military response and all of that uh, generated a situation in which Netanyahu uh, could leverage a request for an extension. But he asked for an extension last time in 2015. Um, it's something that, you know, when we were talking about coalition negotiations coming right out of the election, I think we just factored into what we should expect. I mean, last time they took it to the 11th hour also. So, Yeah, no, and um, I would just say that one other thing to look out for, I mean, we talked a lot about the the United uh, Right Wing Party and what their demands are and, they, and how they're kind of leading uh, this, uh, uh, the case for Netanyahu immunity. Um but they obviously want something in return, and uh, uh, it's not just, I mean, the Ministry of Education and Justice that they're looking for. They're also uh, looking for a promise about West Bank uh, annexation and to start that process. And that's something that uh, reports have indicated Netanyahu has been hesitant to, uh, to promise, um, especially because of the expected uh, uh, Trump administration's Middle East uh, plan that they're supposed to release in June. So that's also something to keep a close eye on, um, because it will be hard for them. I mean, they're obvious Netanyahu needs them if he's going to make this uh, this narrow right-wing coalition. Um, At the same time, uh, I don't know how much he'll be able to promise them um, with with, with what's going on, Um, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Particularly with things related to the Trump plan, and uh, issues pertaining to West Bank annexation. You can follow those on our Annexation Watch resource um, on Israel Policy Forum's website, um, where, you know, with issues both directly related to the formation of the government and uh, ancillary to it, we have a lot of resources on West Bank annexation, videos, other podcasts, articles, statistics, the report from Commanders for Israel Security. That is something that is, is going on along alongside this. And in a way, uh, you know, this Netanyahu uh, talk of immunity and his jockeying back and forth with the union of right-wing parties is only a sideshow to the larger story of West Bank annexation, where, where Israel's headed on that. All right. So I think that's about going to do it for, for, for this part of our discussion. Eli, I know that you are, you're in a rush to uh, get somewhere. Uh, could it be Eurovision? 
Well, you know, I'm a very dedicated uh, Eurovision fan after last year where I was in, in Portugal by, by accident and uh, Aneta won. Um, so obviously it's being hosted in Tel Aviv. Did, you, year, did you move and, to Israel um, to as like sort of a good luck charm? For Eurovision, I moved it. I mean, it was it was a bit a bit of a bit of my Zionism, and then like I would say ten percent Zionism, ten percent my wife, and then eighty percent Eurovision. That that, so. that that you know, when I think about your priorities, that makes total sense. Now, I saw the other day that Belarus was in the finals, and I was just thinking, Minsk, Belarus, what a miserable place for them to host Eurovision if they were to win. Why, why, why are you hating on Belarus? Why are you hating on Belarus? You know, just not. It's not. It's not on my top places to visit. You know, when I think about places they could they could host it. You know, Portugal, nice. Israel is nice. Uh, I, I don't want. I don't want to knock the entire um, the entire nation of Belarus, but there are certain countries. Well, can you imagine Eurovision in, in, in Australia? You know, Australia is not in Europe. And I know they participate in Eurovision nonetheless, but it's still probably ahead of uh, Belarus. I'm curious if they win, if they host, if it would be hosted in Australia. It's a, Isn't that the deal that if, if they uh, if they win? Yeah, usually, usually. Uh, Armenia, Armenia was also in the finals. I, I was Armenia is nice, but it's also not in Europe. It's in Asia. It's like it's like completely. Yeah, we have, and also North Macedonia have made the final. I did not know Macedonia was... Macedonia is Macedonia is 100% in Europe. I know, but North Macedonia? Is that... the Macedonia split recently? Or have I been just... Oh, you... Okay, so... So, um... Before, before we, we cut off the podcast completely, a little, a little sidestep into another conflict. So, Macedonia... I'm sure we've lost 90% of our listeners by now. So well, we've kept the 10% of Belarusians and Macedonians. So let's uh, let's uh, get this here. Macedonia, North Macedonia, was the Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia as part of the former Yugoslavia until 1992, and then when they were uh, when they became independent, um, Greece complained. Greece, which is North Macedonia's neighbor to the south. Uh, complained that you had this new country named Macedonia because they said uh, that they basically they stole their heritage um, in much the same way that uh, Israelis and Palestinians may argue over the the uh, origins of uh, hummus and falafel. Ah, so this renaming only came into effect in February 2019. That's why I was not. Yeah, they had a long naming dispute. Greece Greece was trying to block like their membership in in like multinational institutions over the name of the country because they because Greece has a region called Macedonia, um, and they basically said uh, you know there there can only be one like one area that's just Macedonia. So yeah, they, they renamed themselves North Macedonia. Until then, because of Greek objections, and frankly, I, I never understood how Greece had this kind of pull uh, internationally, uh, but because of Greek objections, uh, Macedonia would have to join uh, international institutions as the former Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia, or FIROM, you know, the artist formerly known as, as the Yugoslav Republic of Macedonia. So uh, they now have the dignity of having a real name instead of being the former something or other uh, i mean let's just take the fact that uh two uh countries who have been uh adversaries in the past have came to an agreement on something and in these unhopeful times when we're talking about the israeli-palestinian conflict in terms of naming conventions i don't think north macedonia is as weird as new palestine which i don't know if you saw is the latest rumor of what uh the the sub-state uh, Palestinian entity under the Trump plan is intended to be called. 
So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe in 20 years we're going to be looking at things. Uh, Eurovision will be hosted in Belarus and North Macedonia and New Palestine will be in the finals. Anyways, that, that's going to do it for this part of the show, uh, because uh, for, for those listeners who are still with us uh, after this geography expedition, uh, we have a little talk about our matching gift campaign. Uh, which is going on now. So I'm going to turn it over to our development director, Samantha Pohl, who is making her podcast debut to talk a little bit about how you can support uh, Israel Policy Forum. Thanks for the opportunity to be here, Evan. I'm thrilled to be making my podcast debut right here on Israel Policy Pod. Um, As you mentioned, we have an exciting matching gift opportunity this month. Thanks to the generosity of a few fantastic supporters, all new and increased gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $75,000 toward all of our efforts to educate folks about the dangers of West Bank annexation. We're about a third of our way to our goal, and we're hoping that you'll consider making a special gift today. So you can go to our website, www.israelpolicyforum.org, to make that gift. You'll see a banner at the top of the website with a donate button. Just click there, and um, you know we're, we're so thrilled to, to have your support. So thanks again to our listeners for joining us on this episode of Israel Policy Pod, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>